Good day to you. This is Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022. I am Pastor Neil Wemus, and this is your daily scripture meditation. Uh, today we are going to be returning to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in chapter 6, so let me bring that up onto the screen for you. So we're going to jump into this. It says... In these days, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. Okay, so I'm going to pause for a moment. This is one of those distinctions. So if I were to ask you the question, how many disciples were there? Well, that depends on which gospel you read. So the word disciple literally means student. Apostle means those one who is sent. Now, there are only so many apostles, but the disciple word, sometimes when we say disciples, we're referring to the 12. The 12 that we're about to read the names of here in a little bit. But sometimes disciple could mean literally any Christian. Every Christian is a disciple of Christ. The word apostle, now there's only 12. Then again, that's kind of a word, depends on how you're using it. The apostles could refer to only the 12 plus, the apostle, plus Paul. But it could also be used to refer to any pastor. Because um, anyone who's sent to proclaim the word. And so it's kind of one of those tricky things with language. But here, when we're talking about the Gospels, in the Gospels, there's apostles, there are disciples. In the Gospel of Luke here, there is a distinction here. He calls his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. So here, Luke is making it clear that he's making a distinction. So Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who is called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So notice there's two Judases. There's two Simons. So it's kind of one of those tricky things when you're reading about, um, when you read about the name Simon in the Gospels. Like, which Simon is it talking about? That could be kind of tricky at times. So... Verse, fortunately, you don't have as much of a challenge with Judas, but Simon, there's multiple Simons you come across. Verse 17. And Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were cured. And all the crowds sought to touch him, for power came out from him and healed them all. And he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. And so notice, this is important. Remember a little bit ago, he appointed apostles. So he lifted up his eyes on his disciples. So is he just talking about the twelve? No, he's talking about all of his students. 
So this is this is going to be helpful for the distinction. Whenever you read the term disciples in Luke, he's talking about general. Um, so he's Luke has officially made that distinction. Uh, but anyways, blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. So, uh, there is a parallel Beatitudes in the Gospel of Matthew. It's at the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. And some have thought that this was the same sermon. But the problem with it, there's a couple problems with that. Um, chronologically, it doesn't work as well. Because the Sermon on the Mount happened pretty early in Jesus' ministry. Um, this is happening a little, it's kind of, it's still pretty, fairly early. But not as early. Um, but the other thing is, is there's some details in here that are missing, that are different. And I'm going to go, what I would say is probably what's going on is why is there these two different listings is really it's probably what happened is Jesus preached a different variation of the Sermon on the Mount. So the Sermon on the Mount might have been the first one. And then somewhere down the road, he is somewhere else and he was preaching this sermon which had a lot of similarities and because it's the same person preaching jesus there are similarities from what was heard at the sermon on the mount but there's kind of nuances here and there that are different and so like here are the beatitudes notably the beatitudes there's similarities but there's it's notably it's shorter and so the reason it might be shorter is because it's not the same one verse 24 but woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. There you go, the golden rule. If you do love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those who, from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your neighbor your enemies, and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. So, 
Jesus, there is, like I said, there's striking, there's definite similarities between this and the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and this similarity of praying for loving those who do bad, do harm to you. Love your enemies. Um, give to those, give without expecting anything in return. This goes completely against the, um, the mindset of our world. Our world tells us that only do things, you know, when you expect a reward. And we don't, And sometimes even as Christians, we're guilty of focusing on this. We'll say, you know, we might go and do, um, you know, feed the poor or something. And, or do some mission trip. And like, what, well, what did you get out of this? Well, I mean, yeah, you may get things out of it, but that's not your goal. Your goal is to help people. That is your goal. That alone. Don't expect anything in return. Sorry for the yawn. But don't expect anything into return. You're, you do it for the sake of the individual. Verse 20, 37. Judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it, use it will be measured back to you. He also told them a parable. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone whom he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite! First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. For no good tree bears bad fruit. Nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a, a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks." Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when flood rose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been built well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. This is the text. So, I just want to kind of focus on that phrase, that little statement by Jesus. Why do you say, Lord, Lord, and not do what I do? How many we hear say that they could, we accept, we've confessed Jesus as Lord, we accept him as Lord, whatever. He's Lord of my life. 
and yet don't hear his word, don't receive his sacrament, don't attend worship. We fail to keep his commandments. We have much to repent of. We call him Lord. But does, is that reflected in our lives? So let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, as you are indeed our Lord, we pray that our lives, our actions, our words would be reflection of our confession of you as Lord. We pray that, and we pray forgiveness for where we have come up short. We pray this in Jesus' name, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. At this time, we are going to switch over to the large catechism. We're going to read from the short preface of the large catechism we're beginning at paragraph one it says this sermon is designed and undertaken to be an instruction for children and the simple folk therefore in ancient times it was called in greek catechism i.e instruction for children it teaches what every christian must know so a person who does not know the catechism could not be counted as a christian or be admitted to any sacrament just as a mechanic who does not understand the rules and customs of his trade is expelled and considered incapable. Therefore, we must have the young learn well and fluently the parts of the catechism or instruction for children, diligently exercise themselves in them, and keep them busy with these parts. Therefore, it is the duty of every father of a family to question and examine his children and servants at least once a week and see what they know or are learning from the catechism. And if they do not know the catechism, he should keep them learning it faithfully. Notice there, the task is to the father or whoever is the head of the house to... So if there's no father, it's, it goes to the mother. It is the task to question, to test on the catechism make sure they know it for i will remember the time indeed even now what happens daily that one finds rude old persons who knew nothing and still know nothing about these things if they go to baptism and the lord's supper and use everything belonging to christians even though people who come to the lord's supper ought to know more and have a fuller understanding of all christian doctrine than children and new scholars. However, for the common people we are satisfied if they know the three parts. These have remained in Christendom from of old, though little of them has been taught and used correctly until both young and old, were called Christians and wish to be so, are well trained in them and familiar with them. These parts are the following. First, the God's Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. 
You shall sanctify the holy day. You shall honor your father and mother, that it may be well with you, and you may live long upon the earth. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his maidservant or his cattle or anything that is his. Second, the chief articles of our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. It sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Third, the prayer, or our Father, which Christ taught. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. These are the most necessary parts of Christian teaching. That one should first learn to repeat word for word, and our children should be used to reciting them daily when they rise in the morning, when they sit down to their meals, and when they go to bed at night. And until they repeat them, they should not be given food or drink. Likewise, every head of a household is bound to do the same with his household, manservants, and maidservants. He should not keep them in his house if they do not know these things or are unwilling to learn them. A person who is so rude and unruly as to be unwilling to learn these things is not to be tolerated. For in these three parts, everything that we have in the scriptures is included in short, plain, and simple terms. For the Holy Fathers or Apostles, whoever first taught these things, have summarized the doctrine, life, wisdom, and art of Christians this way. These parts speak, teach, and are focused on them. Now when these three parts are understood, a person must also know what to say about our sacraments, which Christ himself instituted, baptism and the holy body and blood of Christ. They should know the text that Matthew and Mark record to the close of their at the close of their gospels <clears throat> when Christ said farewell to his disciples and sent them forth go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned mark 16 verse 16 this is enough for a simple person to know from the scriptures about baptism. In like manner, in short, simple words, they should also know the text of St. Paul about the other sacrament. 
our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he, he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body, <coughs> which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So those parts, the commandments, the creed, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Mark 16, 16, and the words of institution. Those are the scriptures that every Christian should know by heart. On command. On demand, we could ask you it, and you should know it. This is what Luther is recommending. And by the way, this is pretty sound. Because these are the actual, absolute cores of the Christian faith that every Christian should know. So, I pray that we would meditate on these daily, regularly. So, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you give you his peace. Amen. Blessings on your day.